Coming up on All Nations Church. And love will cost you. Amen. Love will cost us in these days that are to come. So let's not be like the rich young ruler who looked at the price tag and walked away. We are called to make a difference because we have the answers to the needs of this generation. Uh, because this is the reality. Our world is at war. Satan comes to rob, kill and to destroy and Satan is busy doing what he does which is fostering resentment and hatred between male and female, between black and white, between you know uh, east and west, between right and left and um, you know even between nations. Praise the wonderful name of Jesus. Um, if we could get 1 Corinthians chapter 13 on the screen. And um, uh, we're going to read it together. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 1. Though I speak, we can read together. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I've become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I taught as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. So we're continuing a series we started a number of weeks ago uh, called Fearless. Amen. And um, I, I just read from 1 Corinthians chapter 13 because for the first two weeks, uh, we were dealing with fearless faith. And today, we're talking about fearless love. If somebody could just turn off that fan, it'd be great. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> it's interesting. This time last year, we were at the cross. I feel like I'm back at the cross again. <laughs> it was cold. Praise God. This time last year, the churches were closed. We'd been closed, um, I guess, for the best part of a year. Um, over that last... Um, year and a half or so and um, so we were looking at the second Easter in a row where we would be closed and um, for me personally as a pastor it's not something that I could uh, countenance you know the church been closed for two Easter's in a row so we decided to have an illegal gathering how many of you know it's, it's okay to do something illegal amen if the law is against the law of God and um, Some of you are not too convinced. I believe the gathering of God's people is a sacred calling and right, a God-given one. Amen. And so I'm so glad that you're all here today. I'm so glad that we're able to gather to worship and praise the living Savior. So like I said, we've dealt with fearless faith. And today we're going to look at fearless love. And it's interesting that this uh, beautiful chapter of 1 Corinthians 13 said, you know, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I taught as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. 
And it says, for now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. The time is going to come when we see Christ face to face. When every secret will be revealed and we will, you know, understand all things. And, um, but it doesn't end there. It says, and now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Amazingly, greater than faith and greater than hope. As important as these things clearly are. Amen. The Bible shows us that love always wins. Amen. And we are called to love fearlessly. Amen. Because again, fearless faith is useless if we don't have fearless love. And here, like the Bible says, that you can give your body up to be burned. You can give away everything you have. You can do all sorts of things. But if you don't have God's love in your heart, it doesn't profit you at all. You know, the Amplified Bible of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and it says, But if I have not love, God's love in me, I am nothing, a useless nobody. So, you know, the Bible says that without love, we're useless nobodies. And, you know, we're only like Jesus to the degree that we love other people. And if we don't have God's love in us, ultimately we accomplish nothing. It doesn't matter what we build or what we think we achieve. In the light of eternity, it's nothing. Because, you know, there's a saying that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Amen? And so, again, as Christians, we are called to care. And this is the problem. At times, the world has looked at us and walked away unconvinced. Amen? Because people can smell a fake. Okay? And unfortunately, at times, the church has been, you know, peddling fake love. You know, we've been offering, you know, a pale plastic imitation of the real thing and the world can see right through it. Amen. Because, you know, you people, you know, in church, brother this and brother that, and then you turn your back and they try and stick a knife in it. And that, that is not like Christ. And that is not the way God wants us to behave. He wants us to love. Amen. And so, again, to walk in the God kind of love, which is unconditional. Okay, so in a world that is being torn apart through war and violence and, you know, prejudice and hatred and selfishness and cynicism, you know, we are called to love. You know, I really believe as the church in the days to come that we are called to lead the way because it is clear that politicians and the media or anybody else does not have the answer. How many of you know the answer is Jesus? And that is our job to lift him up. Jesus said, if I be lifted up from this earth, I will draw all men unto me. Amen. So again... We are called to make a difference because we have the answers to the needs of this generation. Uh, because this is the reality. Our world is at war. You know, John 10.10 10 says, Satan comes to rob, to kill, and to destroy. So this war didn't start in, in February or January or, you know, years ago. This war has been ongoing since the fall of mankind. Satan comes to rob, kill, and to destroy. And Satan is busy doing what he does, which is fostering resentment and hatred between male and female, between black and white, between, you know, uh, east and west, between right and left, and, you know, even between nations. And, uh, but, but this is the thing, Th that is what the devil is doing, but not here. We are family, we are the church, and we are called to love and lift and lead. Amen. And so, again, let me just say this. Whether you're from the Ukraine or whether you're from Russia, we love you. You are welcome. We are family. Amen. amen. That would be a good place for more of you to say amen. We are family. It's important we don't buy into the, the hatred and the division, you know, uh, th that's being fostered right now in our generation. Before you're Ukrainian, before you're, you're, you're Russian, before you're Irish, before you're British, before you're Nigerian, you are a child of God. Amen? Let's act like that towards each other. But this is not possible without the love of God. 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. 
Because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not made perfect in love. To be honest, this was a very challenging message to prepare and even to preach, because love is not just a, a, a philosophy. It's not just a subject. It is a life. We are called to live a lifestyle of love, and that will involve sacrifice. And let me say this, we are not qualified to preach what we do not live ourselves. We are called to love. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 says, And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, temperance, meekness, gentleness, and self-control. It's interesting that the very first fruit of the Spirit that God acknowledges is love. Amen. And he put it first because he does not want us to forget that. Amen. We are called to walk in love. And if we allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in our hearts and in our homes, then we will be more loving. You know, as D.L. Moody who said, faith makes all things possible. Love makes all things easy. Because you know what? Marriage is easy when you love. Having kids is easy when you love. Getting along with your colleagues or with other people is easy when you walk in love. But this is the problem. Too many times we are not practicing what God has told us to walk in. Amen? And so again, James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. If there is any one criticism that our generation consistently makes of the church, uh, it is this. It is that we are like the Pharisees in that we preach, but we do not practice. Because love has a cost, one that all too many times we are unwilling to pay. Just turn to your neighbor and say, love has a cost. Amen? And so 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. You see, love will cost you. Love cost Christ his very life. Why then do we act surprised to discover that loving God or loving our neighbor has a cost? We see here in Luke chapter 10 and verse 25 the story of the Good Samaritan. And we see that love has a cost. Luke 10 and verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said, uh, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And so he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor is yourself. And he said to him, you, uh, <clears throat> you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Um, because this man wanted, he didn't want to write a blank check, so to speak. He wanted some boundaries to know how far did he have to go with regards to loving other people. And Jesus responded by saying, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he arrived at that place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain fisherman, um, as he journeyed, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. When he saw him, he had compassion. And so he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he said unto him, his own animal brought him to the inn and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So, uh, which of these do you think was neighbor to the one who fell among the thieves? And he said to him, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. And this is what Christ is saying to every one of us as well. We are called to go and do likewise. We're called to help people irrespective of whether they can ever repay us. And, you know, this is what the Samaritan did. Because love cost the Samaritan and love will cost you. Amen. Love will cost us in these days that are to come. So let's not be like the rich young ruler who looked at the price tag and walked away. Amen. We see that in Mark chapter 10. Because love has a call... And love has a cost. Amen? So, again, it's easy to say, I love you, but there is a cost to following through on that. You know, how many of you are glad to have our precious Ukrainian brothers and sisters with us here today in church? Amen? Amen. 
If you're from the Ukraine, could you just wave your hand for a moment? Can't even say where you are. Amen. If you're from the Ukraine, just lift your hands. We want to see you. God bless you guys. Amen. You're so welcome here today. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You know, as a church, there's been a cost to make this happen. You know, we've spent thousands on uh, translation equipment and on buses and on sending money over to the Ukraine because we want to help. Uh, but I believe it's a good investment because we want to show love uh, to these people. And so again, if you're from the Ukraine, we want you to know that you're welcome in this nation in Jesus' name. You may be far from home, but you're still among family. Um, I think it was Amy Carmichael, she was an Irish missionary to India, and she said, this you can always give without loving but you can never love without giving you know this woman went to India and she started an orphanage and she started a mission and she spent 55 years there without furlough without taking a break laying down her lives laying down her life to reach out to the precious Indian people anybody from India here today lift your hand hallelujah we love you guys God bless you amen Hallelujah, I love the Indian people. Glory to Jesus, best food in the world. Um, so, I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. But today, I want to talk about fearless love. And I believe it is so appropriate that it is Easter Sunday today because Christ our Savior loved and lived and died fearlessly. Jesus lived and loved and died fearlessly. John chapter 18, and we see here Jesus uh, being arrested in the garden. Luke chapter 18, uh, sorry, John 18 and 1. Then Jesus had spoken these words. He went to these disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place. For Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered, Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas who betrayed him also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. And he asked them again, whom are you seeking? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I've told you that I'm he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled, which he spoke. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given to me? Then the detachment of uh, troops and the captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. And so here we see that Jesus Christ was, you know, in his life he fearlessly proclaimed the good news of the gospel. He fearlessly proclaimed the truth to all, even though it endangered his life with the political and the religious authorities. And, you know, Jesus fearlessly walked that lonely road that would ultimately culminate um, in him uh, being nailed to the cross at Calvary. Um, taking our place, uh, you know, di dying on the cross in our place. But you know, I think what's so interesting about this passage is that even when he was arrested by the mob, he didn't cling to his disciples, but he ensured that they all got away safely. He, he stepped forward courageously and, and he said, let these men go their way because Jesus is the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. Jesus was fearless. You know, he was fearless as he stood before Caiaphas, which was symbolic of religious authority, and he was fearless as he stood before Pilate, who was symbolic of secular authority, to the point, you know, that even though that Pilate knew that uh, where, where this was going to end, he, he just couldn't comprehend how, how Christ was, was fearless in the face of his own death. You know, uh, John 18 and verse 9, in the Amplified, it says, he went to the judgment seat again and said to Jesus, where are you from? To what world do you belong? You know, Pilate, a man who was, I'm sure, acquainted with death and, and suffering, um, you know, he was shaken because he was in the presence of truth itself. He was in the presence of love itself. And he was in the presence of someone who was utterly fearless in the face of their own death. And that is why he said, to what world do you belong? And like our master, we are not from this world either. 
Amen? Heaven is our home. Amen? And, you know, it's increasingly starting to feel like we have outstayed our welcome in this world. Amen? But this is the reality. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. You know, Jesus addressed this in John chapter 15 and verse um, 19. And he said, And I'm no longer uh, worthy to be called... Sorry, I'm in Luke... (laughs) Luke 15 and verse, uh, John 15 and 19, and it says, If ye were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And again, John 17 and verse 14, I've given them your world, your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should uh, keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And may I say this to some of you who are trying to live in two worlds at the same time. Stop it. Stop it. Stop messing with alcohol or porn or whatever else you're into. Stop it. If you're going to live for Jesus, then live for him. This is not a day for playing games. Jesus is coming back. Grieves me. Games Christians play in the background. You put on one face in church and you have a completely different face during the week. That's not the way we're called to live. Let's not be hypocrites. Amen? That'd be a good place to say amen, Pastor. We are not of the world. Quit trying to fit in to a world you're not, you're not a part of. We're in the world, but we're not of it. Luke 23. Is it okay if I get a little bit real this morning? It's Easter Sunday after all. Luke 23 in verse 32. There were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. Isaiah prophesied that 750 years earlier, and he was with uh, the the criminals in his death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots, and the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering him rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing that you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, if we receive the just reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. So when the centurion saw what had happened, he glorified God saying, certainly this was a righteous man. You see, even as he hung there naked on the cross, Jesus Christ chose to love fearlessly. You know, even as they mocked him and threw insults and accusations in his face, he cried out, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. Even showing love and compassion to a thief. You know, to a thief who had probably not done any good in all of his wretched life. Jesus was not ashamed to be identified with sinners even in his death. I mean, how many of us in our last moments of our life, would want to be associated with a criminal. And yet this is what Jesus did. Even to his last breath, he was reaching out to broken mankind with love and kindness and mercy. You see, Jesus was fearless in loving others. He died even as he lived. Fearless. 
First John 3 and 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother and sister in need and has no pity in them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. You see, we cannot allow fear to dictate our thoughts, our deeds, or our words. Our focus cannot be on playing it safe or protecting ourselves from being hurt. Because, let me say this, to love is to risk. Amen? To love is to risk. To risk loving, you have to risk being hurt or being taken advantage of. But it's well worth it because if you haven't loved, you haven't lived. Amen? And so again, this is the reality. We, we have to be willing to take the risk because to risk living, you have to risk dying. This is something that the whole world seemed to forget over these last two years when people were barricaded into their house. Some people still haven't come out. Sadly, they're going to live their final days cut off in their little house, you know, cut off from people, cut off from living their life. I think that's tremendously sad. And, and that is their choice, but that's not how I'm going to live my life. I, I, you know, I'm going, to, I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to go outdoors. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. Amen. And as the church, we need to rediscover that fearlessness, that courage that called men and women to go with the gospel to the very ends of the world. Yeah. I'm mindful of our friends from Norway. You're not the first Norwegians that came to Ireland. <laughs> Norwegians and Danes have come here. The Vikings, you know. All is forgiven. <laughs> All is forgiven. But you know, I, I believe God wants us to have that same kind of boldness that we're willing to go beyond. You know, these men in these little boats, you know, traveling thousands of miles, you know, to bring, not to bring good news, it wasn't good news, but you know, to, to you know, conquer lands. Well, we're called to conquer this world for Jesus Christ, amen? And so, anyway, like I said, to love is to risk. And so, uh, let me read this quote by Oswald Chambers. The remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. Because love sets us free. It sets us free from fear and narcissism and selfishness and intimidation. And this is why we must choose faith. We must choose faith and not fear. And the Bible says that faith works through love. Amen. And so this is why, again, where there is no love, ultimately it's because there is no faith. You know, people thought we were crazy having five children. And, um, you know, having five children along with working a full-time job and pastoring a church. And there's no doubt that in those early years, we were very stretched. We didn't have much money back then. Um, but you know what? We had faith. And, uh, you know, I never worried about having enough to provide for our children. We, we received each of our children as a precious gift from God and we just prayed and trusted God to meet our needs along the way. And um, you know, later this year my oldest son is going to be 18 and it's, it's kind of that reminder that, you know, I guess in a way our, our season is changing. You know, Psalm uh, 103 in the Amplified says, um, verse 4, who redeems your life from the pit and corruption, who beautifies, dignifies, and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy, who satisfies your mouth, your necessity and desire at your personal age and situation with good so that your youth renewed is like the eagle, strong, overcoming, and soaring. And so... God is very aware of your needs according to your personal age and situation. My needs when I was single were one. My needs when we were married was another. And my needs when we had five kids was something completely different. But God will be with you every step of the way. And that's why I would say to parents of young children, I understand there's a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty right now. People are anxious about inflation. They're anxious about war. They're anxious about all sorts of things. But I would simply say to you as parents of young children, don't worry. Okay, God will be with you literally every step of the way. You know, just, declare, just choose to be fearless in, in, the, in the face of whatever needs you may be facing. And, and, and you know what? 
Enjoy the craziness of that season, okay? Uh, because to be quite honest, I kind of miss it, amen? So how do we love fearlessly? The first one is listen. We must listen. Escucha. Ecute. Esht. Suhoch. That was meant to be Polish and I've just destroyed it. Suhoch. Sluhai. Slush it. That's, that's a word. That's Russian. That, that is a word. I looked it up. I looked all this up on Google. Baron. That's my best Nigerian right there. Listen. <laughs> Just, <laughs> why are all the Nigerians laughing? <laughs> Was that good? Anywhere close? Yeah? Okay, thank you. So, how do we, how do we love fearlessly? Listen, 1 Samuel 3.10, speak for your servant is listening. Uh, Pastor John and myself, we do a lot of pre-marriage counseling, a lot of marriage counseling. And, uh, you know, the first thing we do is we teach people to disagree without being disagreeable. To allow the other person the right to be wrong. And if necessary, to disagree. Amen. And particularly to disagree without attacking. You know, to try to listen and understand where the other person is coming from. You know, and this is a key to conflict resolution. You know, most, uh, I mean, in all my years in dealing with troubled marriages, I mean, I, I, I've never dealt with a troubled marriage where they were actually listening to each other. Okay? And so I'm reminded of the words of John Wesley. Though we cannot think alike, may we not love alike. Amen? And so this is the problem, is at times we're not listening to each other. And there's a big difference between talking at each other and talking with each other. Proverbs 4 and verse 10, listen my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many, the new living. My child, listen to me, and do as I say, and you will have a long, good life. Do you want to have a long, good life? Then learn to listen. Learn to listen to God. Learn to listen to your spouse. Learn to listen on your job. You'll be amazed at how many problems you can, uh, you know, solve if you just take the time to listen. And, you know, <clears throat> many times, um, the fact that we're not listening to each other, I believe is an indication of the fact that we're not listening to God either. Because this is the reality. Many times God will speak to you through your spouse if you are humble enough to listen. 1 Kings 19, verse 11 and 12. Then the Lord said, Go and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Behold, the Lord is about to pass by, and a great and a mighty wind uh, tore into the mountain and shattered the rocks before the Lord. And the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a still, small voice. You know, I was just talking to, we, we, we met a, a couple in the church during the week and she was talking about how they, they share a stairway between two apartments and there was something spilt on the stairway and she, she was about to go into her neighbor and just, you know, give out stink to her, you know, about how this is not good enough and she's just heard a, st a still small voice saying, you know what, do you not have one good thing you can say to that person? And so she got convicted, she held her mouth, she went up, she got into her house and suddenly she discovered there was a hole in her bag and it was her that had done it. <laughs> You know, this is the problem. It's like they say, when you're pointing a finger, there are three fingers pointing back at you. Amen. So, let's learn to listen. Let's learn to dial it down a little bit. Amen. And um, if we will learn to listen to the still, small voice on the inside, there are words we will never say. There are things we will never do. And there are places we will never go. Just listen to the still, small voice. Joshua 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. How many of you want success? Okay, that's about half of you. How many of you want failure? How many of you, it does not matter what I say, you're not going to put your hand up. We must give the Word of God our attention and we must study it diligently and humbly. Amen? 
so that we may know God, so that we may obey God and glorify God. Because sadly, some people misrepresent God by their words, by their actions, you know, and by the misuse of theology. Because they don't love God and they, they certainly don't care about truth or souls. They have a divisive personality and they just gravitate um, and they just simply use theology to, to divide and to, and to destroy. Um, you know, people like that have no heart for, for truth or for Christ or for Christianity. They just have an appetite for argument. Some people are like that. They just like, um, what, what's that thing you, you, you uh, uh, have you ever seen that on Instagram? I, I, it's an African man saying, I don't want peace. I want problems. Always. Ever see that? It's, it's really funny. It, okay, you have, to, you have to be there. Uh, but uh, none of you ever... Okay. okay. Um, I want problems always. Some people are like that. They want problems always. And they go looking for it. So again, 1 Corinthians 8 verse 1 says, Knowledge puffs up. But love builds up. And so, you know, as a pastor, best of luck trying to correct or, 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 or warn uh, somebody like that. Because who are you as a mere man to correct somebody who has a hotline to heaven? Have you ever met somebody that literally every two minutes they're hearing something else from God? God's got nothing else to do but to talk to them all day long about everything. And um, so anyway, listen, pride always blinds us to the possibility that we might actually be wrong. D.L. Moody said this, the world does not understand theology or dogma, but it understands love and sympathy. And I think we can do a much better job at loving a lost and a broken, hurting world in Jesus' name. Amen. And let me say this, love always starts in the home. We have to live this before our children. You know, one thing that really shocked us over the years in doing marriage counseling is how few people have ever seen a happy marriage. And this is even among Christians. You know, couple after couple have just acknowledged they've never seen it themselves. They've never seen a happy home or a happy marriage. And, uh, you know, in light of this, it's probably not surprising that so many people choose to live together rather than get married. Because, again, it's hard to be what you didn't see. And this is where, again, those of us who are married in church have a responsibility to model, you know, a happy marriage to, to you know, our brothers and sisters and to the world at large. Amen? Because marriage is God's answer. And so, anyway, um, but one of the reasons why I believe many people have never seen a happy marriage is because we've literally tuned each other out. We hear, but we don't listen. Um, you know, if you're married, let me say this, put down your phone and look in the eyes of your spouse if they're talking to you. Give them your attention. I think that is so important, amen? First uh, Peter chapter 3 and verse 7 is such a crucial Bible verse for anybody that wants to have a happy home. And it says this, Husbands likewise dwell with them in understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Amen. And so you cannot understand your wife if you don't listen to your wife. And I'm not talking about hear your wife, because as men, we all at times hear, but completely disregard. There's a difference between hearing and listening. Amen. And, and you know, ladies, it do you good to listen to your husband every now and then as well. Um, <clears throat> Moving quickly on. Um, <laughs> let me say this. You can't understand without listening. And this applies in church because we are the family of God. And so if we can't even love each other as believers, you know, what hope do we have in showing Christ's love to a world that will test us to our very limits at times? John 13, 35. By this, all men will know you're my disciples by your love for each other. It doesn't say by your knowledge. It says by your love. Knowledge is important, but love is so important. So let me say this. If you don't pray in tongues, I love you, you're missing out. But again, I think as the church, we are too quick to build walls between each other. And, um, you know, I believe we're going to need each other in the days that are to come. And, and so, with regards to the issue of theology, for me, there are issues that are of primary importance and of secondary importance. Primary importance in regards to theology are that which, that which determines where you will go when you die. The virgin birth, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, salvation through the blood. 
Amen? These are issues of primary importance. Issues of secondary importance. The, the world has, the church has, sought small, has, has fought small wars over them. And the reality is some of those issues are not going to be solved until eternity. Okay? And so, uh, you know, what, what I realize is that we can come together on, on issues of primary importance and uh, give a, a, a united front to the world. And that's, you know, what we did um, last year. Like I said, 220-odd churches and ministries signed a letter that we sent to the church calling on the government to reopen the churches. And so... Um, uh, there, there's power when we stand together uh, because you know month after month when the churches were, were closed and, and we were seeing people falling into despair and, 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 and depression and you know domestic violence all these things and, and the one place getting back, going back into addiction and the one place where people could have found help was the church and that was the one place that was closed. Can you see how Satan's strategy uh, works and so anyway that, that, that you know that's why we were, we were pushing to see the the church is opened. And you know, it was humbling for me to discover that we have friends and family that are part of other flocks because much of the support I got, ironically, wasn't uh, from Pentecostals. It was from Baptists, it was from Catholics, it was Presbyterians. Um, you know, the wider body of Christ stood together. And um, and so on one level, it was, it was encouraging because I've had a heart for unity for many years. I, I think it's so important for the church that we love each other, even if we can't agree on everything, okay? I think it's important to understand we're all going to go up, we're going to be in eternity um, in heaven. And, uh, but, but you know, it's frustrating for me to see churches and denominations and ministers who are clearly more concerned with covering their rear end than with serving and glorifying God and seeing the churches open as they should be. Churches should never have been closed. And so, anyway, after that season, I saw and I heard things that changed me. I don't believe I'll ever be the same again. And, um, but, but that's okay. But let me say this. You know, as the church, we must listen. We must listen firstly to God and secondly, listen to each other. Um, Augustine of Hippo, what does love look like? It has hands to help others. It has the feet to hasten to the poor and needy. It has eyes to see misery and want. It has ears to hear the sight and sorrows of men. This is what love looks like. You see, people, we must listen. We must listen to God, but not only listen to God, we must listen to the cries of a broken, lost world that does not know God and is not ready for eternity. A world that has clearly lost its way. Firstly, we must listen. Secondly, we must learn. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you and learn of me, for I am humble and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. What did Jesus say? Learn of me. We must learn. We must learn the ways of Christ, and the way, the pathway of Christ is love. It's interesting, one of the first words that a child learns is mine. Why? Because selfishness comes naturally to us. But if we would learn of Christ, however, we must love. And let me say this, you can't love without giving. And when you, when you love, you give. Your time, your talent, your money. When you, when you fell in love with your spouse... You thought nothing of spending all of your money. I remember I would work all week as a mechanic. I'd come up to Dublin and I would spend all of my money taking about 10 girls out for dinner. I didn't care about nine of them. There was only one. There was only one I was in love with. Okay. But she wouldn't let me take her out on her own. So I just took them all out and I paid for everybody. Because I was in love. When you're in love, you think nothing of, of uh, you know, spending all your money on your loved one for dinner. And let me say this, ladies... If he wants to split the bill, you need to run. Because if he won't honor you when you are single, he won't honor you when you are married. That man is privileged to be in your presence. And if he doesn't act like that, he's the wrong one. <laughs> When you saw your beautiful little baby's face for the first time, you, you realized that there was nothing that you wouldn't do to bless them or help them. Why? Because you love them. You know, Matthew chapter 18 and verse 21. 
Then Peter said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but 70 times seven. This isn't one day. 490 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Let's live our lives being mindful of the fact that there will be a time when God settles accounts. That's why we don't want to have any accounts with anybody else on this earth. No matter what has been done or said, forgive. And it says, uh, the king wanted to settle accounts. And it says, and when they'd begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him, owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded him to be sold, and his wife and his children, all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved to compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But when that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, he laid hands on them and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down on his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, I'll pay you all. And he would not. Don't say that I cannot forgive. It's because you will not forgive. And he said he would not but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servant saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then the master had called him, said to him, you wicked servant. Unforgiveness is wicked. I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on me just, uh, uh, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers till he should pay what was due to him. So my heavenly father will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Fearless love forgives. You don't ask, are they worthy or are they really, really sorry? You just choose to let it go because, again, just as faith isn't a feeling or an emotion, it's a choice. So too, love is a choice. Forgiveness is a choice. So choose to love. Amen? Learn to give each other what we so desperately need ourselves, which is grace. Amen? Let me say this. Your spouse isn't perfect, but neither are you. Matthew chapter 7, it says, Blessed are the merciful, they will be shown mercy. Don't say you're following Jesus if you refuse to forgive. Amen? Because God calls it wicked. Um, so when you refuse to forgive, you are permitting bitterness to take root in your heart. You know, uh, Hebrews 12 talks about this. And it says, you know, don't allow any root of bitterness Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Amen. And verse uh, 15 talks about how it says, Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. So unforgiveness will defile you. Unforgiveness will, it can get a root in your heart and it will bring uh, destruction. So don't say that you're following Jesus if you refuse to forgive because God calls it wicked. Amen. And so again, every step out of love is a step away from God. Every step out of love is a step into sin. Every step out of love is a step into the dark. Amen? And that's why Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. If you're walking in unforgiveness, you are walking in darkness. Because this is the problem. While some of us uh, listen, we do not learn. And so, if you have a tendency to take offense easily, or to hold grudges, or to gossip, or if you're one of these people who never, ever say sorry, or back down, you know, or if you're somebody who never forgets those who have wronged you, you've got a long list of grudges, then you haven't learned how to love fearlessly. Because love was, will, call you to will cause you to live longer and stronger. You look at people that harbor unforgiveness, people that are bitter, they never live long lives. Amen? So say it today. I choose love. I choose, love. I choose forgiveness. I choose, I choose mercy. I choose freedom. Amen. So again, forgiveness doesn't mean that you're saying what was done to you was right. What it does mean is that you're simply refusing to allow your past to poison your future. Just let it go. Jesus said, forgive us our trespasses even as we forgive those who trespass against us. And so again, it's important to understand that unforgiveness grieves the heart of God. And this is why we forgive just as we have been forgiven fully and unconditionally. We just choose 
to let it go. Ephesians 4 and verse 25. As the ushers give out the elements, we're going to finish today by breaking bread. And I think this is so important for us to hear what God is saying to us. Ephesians 4 and verse 25. Therefore putting away lying, let each of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. You see, unforgiveness grieves the heart of God. Unforgiveness gives place to the devil in our lives. And this is why, like I said, we forgive as Christ has forgiven us for completely. For, you know, without conditions. We just choose to let it go. But you might say, Pastor John, I can't. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can forgive. You can let it go in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 5 and verse 5, it says, And hope make it not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost who is given unto us. You see, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. And this is why, again, we love as Christ loved. We forgive as Christ forgave. Hallelujah. Because you know, as Jesus hung there on that cross, he cried out, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. Amen. And we must take that same attitude in our lives that we choose forgiveness. You may not feel like forgiveness, but you know what? You can choose forgiveness in Jesus' name. We can choose to love. We choose to love. We choose to live. We choose to walk in forgiveness. Hallelujah. Just waiting for our, the, everybody to have the elements and then we're going we're gonna to break bread together. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You know, Mother Teresa said this. Intense love does not measure. It just gives. Some of you might feel like you're being stretched. That's okay. Because God wants us to enlarge our hearts. You know, the Bible says that, you know, enlarge uh, your tents. But, you know, before your tents can be enlarged, your heart has to be enlarged. And, you know, we have to stop measuring the way we love. So we have to stop deciding, is this person worthy? Is this person deserving? You know what? None of us are worthy. None of us are deserving as of ourselves. And yet God loved us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Amen. And so know this today. You are loved by God. You are loved by Him. You are loved by God. Amen. And the cross is an everlasting testament to the love that God has for us. And this is why it's so important that we break bread and that we remind ourselves of the sacrifice that Christ made on our behalf in Jesus' precious name.